You're listening to the American Soccer Analysis Show. Dude, you're, you're the Tommy McNamara of podcasting. It's great. Thank you. Wait, what? With your hosts, Ian Lamberson. If you say one more bad thing about Mike Grella, I'm going to cut you. And Harrison Crow. Patrick Mullins is what happens when you least expect it. Hello, everybody, and yes, welcome to the American Soccer Analysis Show. I'm your host, Ian. With me, as always, a man that Bill Hamid says that he's a much better podcaster than it's Harrison Crow. Say hello to everybody, Harrison. It's absolutely true. I would give up my my spot if if that's what he wants to do long term is to come onto the show and take over. Yes. What do you think Bill Hamid would be good at podcasting about? Oh, dude! Like, what would he? What wouldn't he be? He like a he can trash talk. So he, we we already know smack. he's pretty good about like yeah. getting up and. But I think that he's he's a really intelligent person when it comes to how he how he's talking about the defense and the orientation. I think it'd be really interesting to to kind of talk about from a defensive perspective of how you control your back line. I think you could just come on here and just talk about like defenses. What about like video games? Like maybe he's really good at talking about video games or bad movies. I, I maybe maybe we could find out like <laughs> what movies he hasn't, and this yeah. could be like Bill Hamid watched this week. Like Bill Hamid's yeah. never watched this '80s movie. Like if we, we could, take if we take Bill Hamid's trash talk and move it away from Atlanta and onto say bad movies, that might be a, like a hit podcast for like with crossover I, potential. Absolutely, bad movies or bad music. Like yeah. Bill Hamid listens to like. Coldplay? Yeah. Well, there's a good chance that Bill Hamid listens to this show, as I believe each and every person related to MLS does. So, Bill, uh, we're happy to do that, host a little movie night, do some uh, do some dishing. Uh, you know, just reach out. Just reach out to us. Um, I want to know, has he seen Adventures in Babysitting? Yeah. I mean... If you could answer that for me, that's yeah. that's what I'm really interested in. That's what we in. want to know. And if you don't, if you if you're not building me, but you happen to know the answer to that question, you can reach out to us as well. Um, at analysis evolved on twitter.com. Hey man, we are like back. Like we we are back in the regular swing of things. We have one weekend of MLS already under our belts. The narratives are flying thick and fast. I'm having to write things, I'm having to think about things, I'm studying box scores again. It, it's 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 ruining my life already. Yeah, it's it's pretty terrible. I mean, <laughs> I, I I spent the better part of last night just looking at uh, at not just heat maps because heat maps don't tell you a lot, but just like um, player maps as far as like what part they were occupying and the mm-hmm. their events were mm-hmm. occupying. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just I will kind of have this. It kind of gives you an idea of like tactically, like where pl- players are kind of starting to drift and starting to sit. Just in, I mean, it's a one-off game, so I, like, what are we able to really learn from one-off games? Like, Absolutely nothing, not a single thing. And yet, what else are we going to do but try to pull whatever we can out of it? Because that is who we are. That is what we've made our lives goal to well, do. Uh, so, to so pick I, through I, this minutia. Yeah. So on a on a certain level, you're right. Absolutely, we're going to learn very little to nothing about those individual games. However, you know that there's going to be guys that are sitting uh, in front offices this week. Uh, we we know a couple of them that are going to try to build a scouting report based off of that one game, or even after off of the preseason games that they've seen, which is just mind boggling to think about. Like think about having to. To try to anticipate those things that you saw both i mean we saw a preseason and we mm-hmm. saw all these different things and then we come out to the regular season it was like nothing really mattered in the preseason in the in the context of like formations that were being tried like personnel associations like teams and uh duos and the center backs like center back rotations happened immensely and not just for teams that had ccl you had teams use uh center backs pairings that they hadn't paired all preseason it was it was weird you know you know who was out there victor cabrera our boy victor cabrera was back out there starting opening day i would not have bet any amount of money that that would be true and there he was getting 18 defensive actions and probably messing something up because that is the way victor cabrera rolls 
And I'm still like, maybe that guy is amazing at center back, and we just haven't figured out why or how yet. And maybe he's got the starting job for the next game or two before he loses it inevitably to Rudy Camacho. So maybe Rudy uh, Camacho was hurt. I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I don't know anything about Montreal. I still don't know anything about Montreal. <laughs> Well, like uh, one of our one of our friends uh, said, mentioned in our Slack that like Victor Cabrera is like the equivalent of a fantasy player that mm. jumps on the ta- uh, jumps on the pile on in fantasy football late just to get that extra tackle, yeah. just to get credit for that extra tackle. So yep. maybe that's what he's doing with the defensive actions. He's playing for uh, me. He's playing for his fantasy manager, not his real manager, and I'm okay with that as long as he stays in the game. Yeah, I actually have him for nine defensive actions. He had a lot of clearances. I thought he had like eleven clearances. I don't think we count clearances as defense. Like, like well, we, we don't. don't in the game, but like in reality, we do. Um. Well, I mean, defensive actions. I'm talking about from a from an ASA perspective. Uh, the way that we, we have are those out now. Um. We have raw. We don't have. Uh. We don't. We we haven't uh synthesized stuff yet. Okay. Well, let me tell you what I have on who scored here. So everyone knows I'm not just being a crazy person. Oh yeah, sorry. They like clearances, and that's always the 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 conversation, yeah, yeah, right? Whether you include clearances in defensive <laughs> actions. Good. Yeah, three tackles, four interceptions, eleven clearances, according to uh, who scored. No fouls. Can you believe that? No fouls, no block shots, no cards. Good for Victor Cabrera. I feel who like scored? that's. That's that's kind of an anomaly. Yeah, that was a little weird for him. So maybe he will start next week. Victor Cravero, possibly elite center back, is back, and so is MLS. I love it. Um, was there anything you saw this weekend that just completely like threw you for a loop that you were just like, what, what? Yeah, you know, there's there was it just felt like there's so many different things. Cincinnati is the one that I was uh, really hard up on Twitter about, and and just for the reasons that it again. We thought we were going to have one thing going into preseason. We were expecting, you know, coming out of preseason, they were going to have this three-back um, situation that they were going to try to try to use width with their fullbacks, and then everything else was just going to be really narrow. And that's not at all what they they came out in a four-two-three-one, and it, it was really weird. They had Eric Alexander on the wings, mm. like uh, I I. It it didn't seem to work at all well. Uh, the first half they they kind of they kind of got by with some some slight mitigation, and I shouldn't even say the first half. Like the first twenty minutes of the game, they they just kind of they were not swimming, but they weren't they weren't sinking. They were treading. Right? They were They're, treading. Yeah, I don't I don't even like treading doesn't even sound like that. They gives were bobbing. The, <laughs> yeah, they were bobbing. That's were a bobbing. really good way, yeah. way to describe it. And yeah. so that was that was a little bit mind boggling to me because we it, were it just all felt powerless um, to do anything. Yeah, uh, you know, like a couple weeks ago when we talked about Cincinnati, I said I didn't think that they were going to be the wooden spoon team like everybody thought they were. My mind is just a little different after that one. And this is just one game. We can't we can't make wide sweeping generalizations, but that well, was that was concerning. You're right, but here and here's the thing, right? They're probably playing with house money for this game and for Atlanta, right? Yeah, so, that's true. And, and I, I, I don't know what's going on in Alan Koch's head, so <laughs> I don't, I don't want to give him more credit. Uh, and, and last week we weren't sure. We, he said they said Alan Koch like twelve times. So yeah, I, it's Koch. It's Koch. It's Koch. Yeah, um, now we know. It, it definitely could be that he's trying to take advantage of these games and finding out what he has. Yeah. You know, it's funny because even their marketing has, so far has just completely discounted these first two games and, like, have not mentioned them whatsoever. Like, our inaugural match is, against, is at home, uh, you know, on this certain date, like, after these two other things occur. And that's been kind of a funny thing on Twitter is the other is Atlanta and Seattle have been like, you mean after the other two that you play with us? Those aren't pre. You know those count, right? <laughs> and it ma- it makes for really good, like you know, uh, some banter. banter, fun yeah. banter, yeah, fun but banter on the twitters. You have to think if that's going to be how they're going to approach it. There are things that you can do to help, maybe take advantage of that and play players how you wouldn't normally play and not be as serious as you probably uh, would be. Eric um, Alexander on the wing. Well, you know, maybe you're trying to see, hey, if he cuts in and he plays a little bit more narrow and mm. he plays a little bit further up, maybe we can do some counter pressing. 
Um, you know, something to that effect. And, you know, they did do a little bit of pressing early on. They did, uh, you know, Bobby Warshaw pointed out they had a line of confrontation that was a little bit higher than what we probably would have expected. So, you know, maybe they're trying to see how well they could they could just push a, a few buttons and maybe create some stuff. Um, but then they give, they scored the goal and they continued on. It's not like they maybe kind of got a little bit more defensive, but rather it seemed like that opened up the game. Yeah, and at that, that point, it kind of, it's sort of like, it was a moment of, okay, well, the gloves are off, so now we're going to fight. Like, there's no more, like, dancing around and kind of toying and poking at each other anymore. Like, whether 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 that was good for Cincinnati, they might have wanted to keep the gloves on for a while longer. That might have been better for them in the long run. Um, but, you know. It was a it was a, it was a good goal. I I, I think that they had a, a good time with that. I'm glad that all those fans we saw that did travel, you know, got to enjoy that. And um, it, it's going to be a long year for Cincinnati, I think. Absolutely. And I think it's going to be a very challenging year in a lot of ways. And um, you know, it, that roster that they've built is just not it's just not good uh, in a lot of ways. And 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 that's okay. Like they, they don't have to be Atlanta. They don't have to be LAFC. Like we don't need every expansion team to come out here trying to clobber the ball. Like, you know, on the first pitch, like just take your time, like, you know, like it, build something like we've seen Minnesota do it for a couple of years. And so now they look like a reasonably solid team. Like it's been hard. Like it's been weird for them. It's, it's been awkward for a couple of years, but you know, you start to see them stick with their coach. Like they start to add better players. And like, now it's like, okay, maybe this team is like after three years, like a reasonable thing. Like if you don't have, all that money to throw around like Atlanta, like LAFC does, like this is a responsible way to kind of build a franchise maybe. Yeah. But in the other side of this, and this is what's really crucial is that you're deploying player, the, the players that you accumulate, you have to use those resources within the areas that they're skilled at. And yeah, it, it felt like they're, they, they kind of hamstrung themselves uh, in, in certain ways. And, you know they 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 gave carte blanche. It's at least it felt like uh, carte blanche to to Elvis Powell, who just completely forgot about any type of defensive responsibilities. He'd get Elvis forward, and it, it just it was mind boggling to me. Yeah, that was a rough night for Elvis Powell. We know he's capable of better. Yeah, and, and look, he, he's never been a very good defensive uh, fullback, and no. that's okay, especially yeah. if you're going to be in a in a sim you know semi five. Uh, or three five whatever three five two kind of deal. What that could enable them to do is to have you know those defensive those defensive midfielders kind of um, help support those roles. You know we've seen that from various teams in the past where that defensive midfielder can kind of fall back behind that you know columbus did that a lot arter was really good last year with being able to you know sweep behind both of the fullbacks uh venezuela or for uh harrison off as they got forward that gave them a little bit more defensive uh or more attacking uh leeway right yeah but you okay, got I- you got to have these guys you got to have a plan for when that when that happens and it didn't feel like they had a plan uh, the no. other thing that's kind of interesting and just kind of use it as a segue is Toronto FC really Toronto, Montreal, uh, a couple other teams all came out pressing and that was really surprising to see and maybe not just pressing, but winning a lot of uh, attacking opportunities in their opponent's uh, half. And that, that was surprising to me. Yeah. Uh, you know, what was surprising to me. What's that? We had our two presumptive divisional favorites, Sporting Kansas City, Atlanta United Football Club. Zero points. Opening weekend. Atlanta had the same amount of XG, according to Opta, as Cincinnati. How about that? so odd. Isn't that weird? Uh, We know that they're not... Well, do we know that they're not bad? I mean, they had that one good game in the middle of the CCL thing. They had a bad game, then a good game, and then a pretty bad game against DC, I'd say. I don't think that's unfair. I mean, um, weather weather conditions were pretty tough. They're on the eh, road. I'm willing yeah. to give them a pass. I don't think PT is as great as everybody kind of continues to to. You know what? Uh, I was talking him- about this. Yeah, you know, what I was because I, I was like, okay, I don't want to make big sweeping generalizations based on one game, one half, a couple of games. 
I remember yeah. watching Almiron, and you knew within like ten minutes that this guy was on a different level. Like I did not see that from Pity just yet, and like that might change. He might be still like getting his feet. It might take him a little bit longer to like, uh, you know, uh, to, to 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 like, you know, just 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 to become comfortable in this league and become comfortable with the team. And that, there's nothing wrong with that. And there's we've seen lots of great players start slowly, uh, but but I just I, I I just I noted that that was all I want to say is I note that. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And and there are some things, I, I think, with Atlanta, with SKC, with Houston, uh, with New York. We're kind of already getting to see a little bit of who they are. Toronto. You know, uh, you know who was great? Who was, was great? New York. The Red Bulls, of course. With their, like, second-string team on yeah. the road. Red Bulls, too. It's amazing to me. Well, and they, of course, led everybody in defensive actions uh, ratio this this weekend. So maybe we, that, over, maybe we overthought this, and it's just Red Bulls all the way to the bottom. Red Bulls all the way down, Harrison. Uh, I think it's Red Bulls all the way down. I, I, that Red was Bulls. my pick. I don't, I don't know where you maybe were. Maybe I overthought I'm... things. Maybe I bought into some hype because it's what I do. I'm Look, very impressionable. Look, Atlanta. Uh, Atlanta's a. I still think Atlanta's a very good team. I. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> I think it's going to take a little bit to get all get everything in line. I don't know necessarily if they're the the top end team that they were last year, but they're certainly going to be a good team. That it's to a- to think otherwise, I think is is just completely misgiving um, I- anybody in that front office or in that uh, organization. I, I, it gives them the ability to kind of do that thing that they did two years ago and be like, you know what? Your doubters, we're going to prove you wrong and come out and just storm some things. And yeah, I well, really don't, don't want to go back doubters. there. Yeah. They don't, I, I don't have wanna, any more doubters. Yeah. They don't have doubters. Look they're They've pro- proven they can put together a good, a good, uh, first 11. They have pretty good depth though. They're, they're just going through some growing pains with a new coach and that's it. DeBoer out. Let's get it trending folks. Just for fun. Um, <laughs> You're a bad person. Yeah, he doesn't deserve <laughs> it. Not yet. People, slow down. I've seen it out there. Slow down your role, oh, yeah. people. It's okay. Give it a second. Um, you know, uh, I, I have another question for you, and that mm-hmm. is their, their opponents in these games. Uh, DC United are, are good. Like, are they for real? Uh, like, is this... It's another home game. I know. That's what I'm asking. Are they for real? Are we, we going to be teased again by, like, this, like... Ah, uh, we're kind of for real, but no, no, not really. Or like, is this good team? Like, Costa looked really good again. Ariola no, looked uh, really uh, Costa's good. Costa's a really good player. Like, let's. Wayne Rooney looked really good. He's gonna be a really good player. Like, yeah. Look, uh, being saying this team is not a top two team in the East isn't like to say that they're not a good team, right? Like, that's not taking any shots. They're going to easily probably contend for sixty points. They're going to be a good team. Paul Ariola looked really good, and I yeah. hope that he continues moving on. But he hasn't shown in the last what 18 months he's been with dc united that he's in any way uh changing game changing talent right like he's a talent that you definitely want but he's not somebody you're going to be able to build a team around he was really good the other night he was really good and maybe he's starting to like things are starting to click for him i hope that's the case yeah that's the thing because like even though we can't make broad general sweeping generalizations what we can start to think about mentally even if it's a trap is is the corner being turned? Yeah, I, I think that's like. Can we see the breadcrumbs of this narrative, like becoming a path to the house of of, of Paul Ariella being good? Yes, yes, we can. It's exciting. Well, and, and on top of that, we're also getting to see like you know some some time from Lucas Rodriguez, right? Mm-hmm. We we hadn't known what he was beforehand, and I I think we I, I still think we don't know who he is technically um, mm-hmm. in, in the context of his ability and whether how consistent he's going to be. But I do think that he's going to be able to be somebody that's a little bit more uh, Acosta and a little bit less Assad. Can we do a little, can we, okay. Abrupt new, new segment here. All right, let's do it. It's called the Harrison was right corner. Are you ready for this? I liked, I, I love the sound of this. Philadelphia union. Harrison was right. Kind of. Yeah. You're not going to give yourself full points for this? So here's the deal. I, I will totally give my myself points in the context of two things, right? Okay. They're still got players on that team that are going to shoot and find mm-hmm. opportunities. I knew that was going to be the case. 
number one. Number two, they need to change that formation. <laughs> like, there is no possible way that they're going to go a month and change and not change that formation yeah. or not change how they're operating in some way. Because the formation can can even stay. Maybe I, I shouldn't even be saying formation. The tactics, the idea that they need to press, that press was not good. It was it, not. It, it was like this half-hearted press. And, it, it, you know, if it, we've learned anything about pressing, I mean, as a league, I feel like people are – that that term has become something of recognizable uh, trade in the last two years, right, it's, with an MLS. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a buzzword almost. It's just, it is right. It is kind of a buzzword, right? Yeah. But if there's anything that we've learned about it in the past two years, it's simply that you're going to have to do that cumulatively. It's not one piece or then the other. You're going to have to either go at it as a team, or you're you're just going to be exposed. New England last year had just could not keep up and do that as a team and they fell apart and initially they were really good but even even then they it was more catch people by surprise mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they 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 kind of did it more in spurts and i think that they're going to do that again this year uh, i'm really interested to see if that'll stay for them but philadelphia i think that they're going to have to I think they're going to have to switch their tactics. Yeah, and that, that was kind of what, what what I was alluding to with giving you mad props was saying that like this system we saw them kind of trying to employ a bit was different from the one last year that brought them, you know, a relative amount of success. Right for for Philadelphia, I think that that's not unusual, crazy to say. Um, so yeah, so it's interesting. Like uh, you know, we've seen teams do this before, and, and we've seen teams just stick it out and make it work. We've seen teams stick it out to their ultimate detriment and demise uh and we've seen teams just go ah it was fun well no let's go back to what works like let's let's not mess with things too much so it'll be interesting to kind of see uh, what jim Curtin does and and what 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 happens with this team going forward but that definitely was uh that was a case of like i thought the players on the pitch were pretty good and and the system is what actually like really left yeah and and i think that's important to recognize right like it's not necessarily that the players are bad it's the players are good. They're just not suited towards it. And you have to kind of take what you're, you, when you're putting guys out in the, in the field, you want to make sure whatever you're having them do is something that caters towards their skill set, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Otherwise, you're, you're doing a bad job of uh, curating your team, managing your team. I yeah, say Jim Curtin's a bad manager, but, you know, just mistakes were made. Let's, yeah, let's, let's fix them. I, I don't on. think this is Jim Curtin's decision. It might not be. That's true, too. That's also very possible. But we can't speculate. We should. It's irresponsible. Um, let's, <laughs> let's deep dive a little bit, Harrison, and let's... You've brought me some interesting graphs that I like to look at and go, like, I kind of understand what these mean, and maybe you can sort of explain what they mean to me, to the good people at home that are listening that can't see the graphs, but they're pretty easy to imagine because there's just blue lines with a number next to them. Um... Yeah, and, and for, for the record, we haven't put that on Twitter just because they're a little haphazard. They're a little haphazard, as they should be, being that this is an MLS show. Um, <laughs> all right, what have you brought me? Present present to me what you find. Yeah, so the, kind of what I was talking about beforehand, we, we looked at defensive actions and pressing, right? How yes. frequently teams are winning the ball versus how many passes they're attempting. That kind of gives you an idea of, how frequently they're they're basically trying to win that ball back mm-hmm. not just in relation to so there's a lot of teams that accumulate a lot of defensive actions but sometimes that's more correlative because they're they don't have a lot of the ball right right um, they're sitting back they're soaking up pressure so we kind of want to establish some way that we can say okay how frequently are they winning the ball compared to how frequently are they controlling the ball and sounds like you're talking about normalizing that's exactly what see this is why we were a great team Mm -hmm. so normalizing the the numbers we can kind of see hey new york sticks out obviously like a sore thumb um 
and that's just holistically, right? We're just holistically yeah. doing that to defensive actions to kind of get a better idea of that high press, which New York is so well known for. We also can do what those defections, defensive actions are in the attacking half, right? So surprisingly, New York, maybe not unsurprisingly, New York was near the top. Um, they always, always, always seem to be having chasing that ball down, having three guys up front for putting pressure on those center backs, on the full backs, mm-hmm. trying to win that ball back. But surprisingly, New England was in front of them in that attacking half. Ah, yes, yes, yes. Okay. So the thing we know about New York is that this is the system. This is what makes the Red Bulls tick. Like there is, if this, if what we see is is their discipline, like this is this is the Bible. This pressing system. This is like this is it. I, I don't know how else to say a very obvious point, which is that this is what their whole thing is based around. So that makes sense. Now, New England, we saw this at the beginning of last year too, that they were pressing at a super high tempo. And that they look like they were going to make this a, a foundational kind of uh, block of their system. But then they just got tired. <laughs> I don't know. It went away pretty quickly. So it, it's curious to see if this year they can manage to maintain that, I think, is what was what you're saying. Yeah, I feel like they got exposed. Yeah, a little bit. I think. A lot. I, well, so pressing takes time to develop, right? Like this yeah. is this is a system that gets better the longer you do it. The Red Bulls have been doing this now for what three years, so At least. yeah. So I'd say that they probably started the the genesis of it earlier than that in their academy and such, though. Yeah, that, that's that's totally fair to to, to point out. Yeah. Um, so it, it's been going on a while, and that's why they're so good at it. But to just adopt this is. It, it takes time because you have to have everybody bought into this, as we just talked about. It has to be a whole team effort, and so. Again, not to not to be like a broken record, but Bobby Warshaw cho- pointing this out on uh, one of their shows, um, just about you have that internal mechanism as a player of what am I doing right this second? What is the next move? What is this? What is that? And it takes kind of a little bit to jump kick and go, oh, I'm supposed to be up there. Oh, where am I? this is where I'm supposed to be at. It's no longer dropping back. It's just a change in how you're in your operation. Yeah. I've heard it described uh, by other football people as um, triggers. Uh, When I see this, we do this. When they do this, we do this. And that is something that's not hard to teach one player. It's not something that's necessarily hard to teach a lot of players individually, but to teach an entire team to recognize and react as a collective, um, you know, without verbal communication generally, um, or very very little of it uh, is difficult. <laughs> it's the difference between a a, a, a team and, and a collection of individuals. It's what makes that strategy work versus not work is your ability to to execute it together. Because if you have one or two people that aren't on the same page as you or that are reacting much slower, they're going to pick that apart. Like that's not hard for the other team to see either. No, and look, I, I, yeah, the triggers is a is a great terminology. I think that. It's a little bit surprising that they gave up on it. Um, it tells me that they were a little bit desperate to try to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And they felt like maybe if they just kind of held path, they could kind of get through it while they still practiced. I, I hope that they stick with it this year because I really think that they can be a better team with it. Not to say like being a pressing team makes you a better team. I, I think that Brad Friedel, I, I think that's something that he really, really wants to do. And I think that part of that is that's just part of his, that is part of his mantra. And if you're not doing what, if you're not teaching, you're not implementing what you know, then I, d- I don't think you can be nearly as good at it as you would if you were teaching, you know, if you're teaching a lesser version of that, right? Yeah, um, of course. So I, I would really like to see New England stick with his vision. I think they're going to have to. I don't think they're going to continue to be a good team. They, they they showed really good this this weekend. I say really good. That's probably a, a overestimation. I think they yeah. were they were above slightly above average. Yeah. I don't think that Dallas was 
great by any means. And I think no. part of it was that Dallas was content to kind of try to hold possession and along that back line. They have a couple of defenders that are really good on the ball. They have mm-hmm. a couple of speedy players. I think part of it was they wanted to invite that pressure on and try to basically try to counter out of it. And they were really ineffective. I'm really surprised. I thought that they would be a little bit more. I thought they would take advantage of it more frequently than what they did. Yeah. Um, So other than New York, New England being at the top, is there anything else here that kind of the numbers bear out that that, that are interesting, like outliers, things that that are interesting to point out, teams that are just not at all committed to the press, teams that are just like, nah, not my thing? Um, A couple of things that that did come out was uh atlanta united was very very much in the bottom and that seemed a little bit surprising considering in the past it's not that they've necessarily been uh a pressing team but they were a very active team right um they like to play an open game that's what they that's really what they are built towards with uh tata martino and i kind of think that they are uh a little bit well a I think we kind of all knew that they were going to be a little bit more uh, verbose defensively. And I think that kind of showed up this, this past week with, uh, with DC United, they, they, they were a little bit more defensive and they, they looked a little bit more for their opportunities to break on the counter versus trying to play that open style and win at, win the possession at midfield when their opponents were, were trying to counter them. Right. Um, I don't think they were nearly as effective with it. You know what's interesting to me is, and this is just sort of uh, apropos of you know Atlanta, but nothing else. When you come in as like a head coach, like wait, why do you like? Why is he tinkering that much with things? <laughs> like it was going pretty great, right? I mean, they were one of the best teams, like a couple of goals here or there, away from a supporter shield and a double. And you come in and you just like, you got to make your own mark on things. And does that just mean that like any coach just feels like, no, this can be improved? Yeah. So even if it can't, I mean, really? I, I, I will say right now, like my company's in the middle of, of a merger, right? And really mm-hmm. not even a merger. It's being bought out. Uh, and we're, we're kind of facilitating new roles. And there's not necessarily, I really like how my company did it and, and previously in some capacities. And I think that there's ways that we could have improved on. And vice versa, there's some things that Tatsu Martino did really well, and there's some things that he needed to improve on in certain areas of this team, despite the fact that they're fantastic, mm-hmm. right? There, there's little things that you can always, you know, maybe tighten up. Yeah, there's going to be it's some true. bumps in the road, and, and any transition in management and in organization, uh, it's there's going to be some bumps in the road. Hey, this is how we've done it in the past. Well, this is how I'm asking you to do it now. Well, okay. Well, I guess I can do that now. It takes time. It's just like what we're talking about with that pressing, right? You're having to change a mindset. You're having to change where that first step is. Mm -hmm. And that first step and that first maybe three steps are so critical when you're just even talking about defense or when you're talking about on the break. Um, Those are really important moments, especially at the professional level. It's everything happens so quickly how fast you react to those moments are huge. And I think that that's just a little bit of what's going on, right? Uh, I think Frank DeBoer is not necessarily trying to change things because, you know, it's my team now and Tata Martino is no longer here and your daddy's not here no more. It's all about me and I'm in charge. I don't think that there's anything. I mean, you know, there's people like that. There's pe- there, there are managers like that. I don't think Frank DeBoer is like that. Hearing him speak, he's he's got his own philosophy. And I think that just like <laughs> what we talked about with Brad Friedel, he's got to do what he thinks is best for his teams. A because Dutch he can't coach Tata Martino's style. Yeah. I don't think he can. Yeah, it, it was just more of a concern of like, or not concern, but just a question of like, do you not just leave somebody from that regime behind that wants to be a head coach now? And just like, here, just continue on my ways. My, my disciple... <laughs> Not Tato Martino, but whoever Tato Martino's like right hand man is. Do you like want to keep you my right hand man, or do you want your own thing? Like here you go. Maybe Tato Martino wouldn't wouldn't have that. We'll find out. Anyway, we'll see. It's early. It was just a curious thing I was thinking about of like what 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 a special kind of unique challenge that is for a coach to come into it, a program well, that's working and working very well, and say like, okay, how can I like 
improve this without breaking it. Well, I think Dallas is kind of doing that, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Lucio Gonzalez as, is. Like, it, yeah. I mean, that's that's basically yeah. He's he wasn't necessarily uh, Oscar Preja's right hand man, but I mean, he was kind of the 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 token you know organizational guy. Uh, he basically is Oscar Preja like <laughs> five years ago. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. or or however long ago the um, the genesis of that, yeah, yeah, that makes it, sense. So I I think that that you you do see that you do see guys that are like the right hand man, Brian Schmetzer, uh, for instance. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. that there there are different cases where that's successful and that can be successful, but I think you really have to look at that and say, is this right for our organization or do we need to? go outside and in some cases there isn't a right hand man in the in the context of like look at bob bradley right yeah um, bob bradley is, took on guys that he knew that he was comfortable with that are experienced that he knew were going to move on but were really good for right then right there and so i, I yeah i think I th- bob bradley is his own right hand man <laughs> i think bob bradley like has two versions of bob bradley on each of his shoulders and he talks to both of them throughout the entire game that's my theory about bob bradley well there, there's bomber ja- there's bomber jacket bob bradley yeah, and then there's right. you know uh training regiment <laughs> bob bradley that's right uh we are lafc of course on espn plus uh <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's talk about something. This is we do this once a year at least, and it's let's go ahead and start with this year. This is your favorite topic in the whole world, Harrison. I don't know if it's my favorite. It is your favorite. (laughs) It's your favorite topic to talk about. As someone that talks to you more than a lot of other people do, I can I'm uniquely qualified to tell you what your favorite topic is. (laughs) That's fair. And uh, today. We're going to talk about the art or lack thereof of crossing. Now, it is no secret to anybody that has spent more than three minutes talking to you in line at a bank, a grocery store, uh, a bar, certain uh, parks, uh, that you, you are not a fan of soccer teams crossing the ball. That much is very, very evident. And so what I wanted to ask you about today is, and what I wanted to talk to you about is why... There, we have we have the math. Spoiler: We have the math to show that it's it's not great. It's not a good idea. Shouldn't cross the ball so much. But let's start with like why do teams? Why do they do this? Why do so many teams do this and do it over and over again? Like why do they keep hitting their head against this wall repeatedly? Well, Otherwise, good teams, teams that we think are good. Like why do they do this still? So, so I think you asked two different questions, right? Yes. Why do teams do this? Number one. Yes. Um, they do this because tactically you have to come out of team another way. You can't continue to go down the very front, right? You can't continue to try to dribble between defenders, uh, you know, try to play between the lanes. Sometimes if you're going to play against a really compact team, you have to come at a dip from a different angle. And, mm-hmm. you know, we saw with uh, Efren Alvarez, right? Like that, that cross will be like immortalized, you know, for the next t- 20 years, if he ends up being, you know, something better than Freddie Adu. That was he really is, yeah. <laughs> well, sixteen-year-old uh, Freddie Adu, I should say. <laughs> yeah. So you you have to do something different to, right. and in this context, he got he got around his defender, he got a little wide, and he was able to put a ball in for Daniel Starris, right? Yeah. And Starris already had the positioning. And in a lot of context, that's what it's really about. It's about finding those guys that are going to have that positioning and get the ball to them. But this is the difference, okay? Because this is the difference between his cross and what I, what I think we see. That was a cross with purpose. It had a target. It had a sensible target. And he put it right there. A lot of the crossing we see is just like, hey, it's in the middle of the field. Ah, drat, went out of bounds. Can, oh, can I, they kicked it. Can I be a little sacrilegious for, for all of the course. hoopla and all the... He got really lucky. He Alvarez? got. Su- I think he got super. That was a good ball. What are you talking it, it, about? It, it, what do you it, mean? No, 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 no. Totally, totally. It was perfect. That's why I think it was. He got lucky. <laughs> and, and I see look, what you're going with. Okay, okay, look, sure, sure, he, sure. He did it with it. Not just he did it in stride. Like it wasn't and, a long cross. It was just a little no, chip. It was a it, nice little chip absolutely, shot. Absolutely. And the closer that you are, the more accurate you're going to be. Right? Invariably. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's just a matter of how things work. You're going to be more accurate the closer you are to your target. It just becomes easier. 
he was cutting in. He did it with his input. Like it was, it was not exactly the sim, the most simplistic. And that's not to be like, well, he sucks, and you know, he can never. No, no, no. He's it, obviously it, a very talented it was, person. It's a right? difficult skill to pull off, even in the best of scenarios. And he wasn't quite in the best of scenarios, and he still got it done. That's that's a credit to him. That's still a low comment. That's still a low probability play. Okay, but it was better than a lot of the crosses. Sure, I totally 100%, which is why I plucked it out, right? Like yeah. that if I'm going to teach somebody, like this is how we're going to this is how we're going to get uh and beat the 20 was it 2012 San Jose earthquakes, right? <laughs> that yeah. are going to like just sit seven in the box and say come at me, bro, and then send Alan Gordon on late to, mm-hmm. you know, do some muddying of the waters. Look, that's that's how I beat him. And, and is you come around and you try to get inside into that box and send you know some some crosses. But the other side of the coin is you have to have somebody that's you have Daniel Starris is what six foot four. You have to have somebody of not just of tall like because there's a couple of guys that I know that are you know six foot that can jump up there and and jump past him. But you have to have some skill, right? Kai Kamara, for instance, Jeff Cameron, um, if you want, for those that watch the U S men's national team games or remember when he played with Houston, it was really, really good. Uh, Walker Zimmerman's really good in the air. Zlatan Ibrahimovic. <laughs> there is that guy. I've heard that guy's name before. Yeah. He's pretty good too. Um, Okay. I agree. I agree with you. I agree with you that this is an important aspect of this. Now, so, but let's go to that second part of your question, right? Okay. Why do good teams continue to do it? Yeah. Because they find success. But okay, this is the this is the trap, though. It is the trap. Because like it, this is confirmation bias. It is absolutely absolutely, and I think that you're going to see in the next few weeks. I think you're going to see Efren Alvarez try to try to make a few more of those crosses. Ooh, we can bring uh, Elliot's thing back into this, can't we? We can look at that again, that decision-making uh, thing for which uh, our team was awarded trophies and, and plaudits. Uh, can we talk about that? I don't think, is, is that... He came on and talked about oh, it. He, I think he did, he to, did, yeah, sure. <laughs> I think we're allowed to. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, um, yeah, we'll, 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 I'll, I'll follow up with him on that in a couple weeks. Remind me to do that, make a mental note. Um yeah. Okay. <clears throat> so I have listed here too, like another thing, like I think that you get a lot of, and this is one of my favorite aspects of this is that a lot of people will say like, put it in the mixer because anything can happen in the mixer, Harrison. But that's such saying, okay, chaos, it's take crap. the wheel. It's crap. Just say, just yeah, chaos, take the wheel. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like the most it's not the best way to get to your, your destination. 1-800, Carrie Underwood, we have a new song for you. I mean, it could get you there. It does sometimes. But saying chaos, take the wheel is not always the best strategy, in my opinion. But a lot of times, I guess if you're desperate, you see tired legs, maybe you think you got a mismatch here height-wise. Maybe you just know that like this other team's outmatched you and you just need some random things to happen for you to get any kind of chance at a point here. So you just kind of kick it towards the goal and let it go into the mixer. But it's just, it's not, it's not good, is it? Yeah, I, I think we definitely need to strip those situations because at the end of games, when you have that opposing team sitting, and I, I talked about the earthquakes, right? Mm-hmm. That old earthquake team that would, you know, sit so many defensive players so deep in that, deep in the defensive half. Um, obviously, you're probably, you don't have a lot of options. Yeah. Right? But, so... I mean, so you kind of have to strip away those those situations late in the game to where you have so many different teams, because it, that that's that's probably not something that's going to continually happen, right? Especially in this league, and especially no. in this era of no. center backs that have uh, that are a little bit more skilled on the ball, that have a little bit more ball traits, they're expected to get a little bit more further out the pitch. They're expected to contribute a little bit more to the attack. Yeah. And so I, I think that we could probably start contextualizing certain moments of when a cross is attempted. Yeah, versus when it's just chaos. Take right, the because again, right across, all crosses aren't the same. And they're not. I feel like there's 
Mark Kastner always like picks on me about that, right? Like you can't just say all crosses are bad. And, and I don't think that I, for, for, I know, I know like that's my, my mantra is like crosses are stupid because most of the time when people do them, they're stupid. Uh, they're it doesn't, stupid. doesn't actually mean that I think all of them are right. Like we've talked about, but I, I think that we can start contextualizing those opportunities and those moments that are probably maybe not in the context of we don't have tracking data. So we, we can't, we have to make certain assumptions until we have that tracking data of when those, when our cross is a little bit more accessible in open play, right? Mm-hmm. So we could probably start breaking data down in bits in a little bit more granular terms to try to identify that. Yes. Here, look at this. Think about this. I have a thought experiment for you. And for everybody at home listening on their podcast, running, Eric. Keep going, I believe. Keep going, Eric. I'm so sorry I I doubted you. (laughs) Um, You know, there is... Okay, let's let's go through a situation wherein to have a successful cross, there's certain types of things that need to happen. You need to get a player um, with enough space to cross. That's kind of hard in professional soccer to do. It's not easy. Um, You need them to kick the ball good. (laughs) They're generally okay at that, but it has to be very accurate. You need a receiving player to know that that's going to happen, and you need him to run and time his run unspoken with the other guy to meet said ball at the right time. And you can't have any defenders that can literally do anything to touch or throw off either of these players and ruin the whole move. It's a very low percentage game that you're playing. Um, Certainly, I think things get a little bit better when you have set pieces. Like, I think when you can kind of control a few more variables there, like that, that does improve your odds. So I'm not talking about that necessarily um, so much as I am just about like these open play crosses. But like, even when you kind of break it down like that, like there's a lot of things that you could say about anything in soccer, but this particularly seems like a difficult skill. And then if you want to turn it into a goal, like, you know, we know that headers, like our, our XG model, like says like there's a lower XG for headers, right? Yes, that, that that is a true statement. How much lower? Do you know off the top of your head? Uh, depends. Uh, I think it, if so, headers are weird, right? Like so, in yeah. a certain area, they actually pick up a little bit more than feet. Like right around six yard box, right? Yeah, like right around the six yard box to where like most shots that are going to be on the ground from yeah. there are going to get blocked. Um, they they start they're becoming. Rebounds. They're mostly rebounds. Let's just call it what they that, are. Yeah, totally fair. Um, that's where headers like start to pick up over uh, yeah. footed shots. But yeah, invariably they're they're gonna go from two uh, percent less to I think in some cases yeah over ten percent less. Yeah. Um, so it's it's silly. Now uh, I wanted to like look at some of this crossing stuff to figure out just how bad crosses could be, but I didn't want to like give people the out of saying well that's MLS MLS sucks. And it does sometimes. That's a fair thing, but um, they don't suck. Actually, it, let, let, let's let's say this: the, the MLS is not as good, or does not have as skilled players as other play, as other leagues in the world. They to, have to label they, it as they suck is like it, well, is just will, a harmful and stupid thing to. I, to, I think to it's post. fair. I think it's fair to say that if you took all the leagues in the world and lined them up by skill. MLS is a lot closer to the good side than the bad side. I'd agree with that. By a significant margin. That being said, let's not act like it's the elite of world football. It is not. Um, So I wanted to look and see, like, okay, even in other leagues, like in Europe with these great teams, like, what's the trend there? Is this an MLS-y thing or is this, like, a a thing overall? And what we found out was that, no, actually, like, it's really bad everywhere. Uh, I visited this uh, from a soccer man uh, paper who listed all this great stuff here. Um, but it says, like, across, like, Europe's five, big five leagues, uh, most teams attempt around 18.6 crosses per game. Three out of four of those crosses are, are, are lost possession. They're misplaced, out of bounds, goes to the other team. Just 75%, chunk it right off the top of it, worthless. Um no benefit to your team, could even be detrimental, cause a, a counterattack. Uh, they figured all the way out to the bottom, and, and it's just a goal comes roughly once out of every 64 cross attempts. Now, remember how many cross attempts we averaged per game was like 18? So we're not looking at a super great 
success rate there. Um, and they even kind of listed some teams here that tend to, to, to not cross the ball a lot. Teams that, and, and, and on this list in the top five were Barcelona, Arsenal, Manchester City. These are clubs with a lot of success and with a lot, a lot of reputation for being <laughs> playing eye-pleasing, attractive, beautiful, exciting soccer. Um, and these are the teams that, that cross the ball the least. Uh, there was one good team at crossing the ball, and this is from 2017, all this data. And that was Inter Milan, and they had a guy named Mauro Accardi, who I guess is, uh, for those of you that don't know and only know things in MLS terms, the Kai Kamara of Syria. Um, and I think that just kind of goes to show that there is this one example where you can be successful with it, but you have to have very specific personnel and a very, very um, dedicated tactic in order to like bear fruit from that tree. Yeah, no, I think that that's that's pretty accurate. I mean, that's I think that's why a lot of us got really excited for the years over years that Vancouver would cross the ball, and then yeah. the year that they get Kai Kamara, Carl Robinson gets fired like <laughs> th- yeah. two thirds of the way through the season. Well, basically, yeah. And then like we looked at this, and I wanted to see like, okay, what teams in MLS were actually good at that this crossing if there were any. Um, and certainly, like the most key passes off crosses was Vancouver last year, one hundred three. Uh, LA Galaxy 102, Columbus Crew 96, uh, Portland Timbers 92. And I mean, you're looking at that. We're looking at dominant big men, Kai Kamara, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, Jesse Zardes, maybe? I don't, I don't know what that is. Uh, Fernando Adi um, in Philadelphia is number five. You had guys like CJ Sapong, Corey Burke. Like, these are these are dominant aerial threats. Uh, but then when you actually go to which ones were converted uh, into goals... Um, you know, it was uh, it was it was all Slotin. Slotin was the most successful. Um, unsurprisingly, the New York Red Bulls had 14 converted, which makes no sense. But nothing the New York Red Bulls do makes sense to me. I, well, <laughs> I think I think part of that is statistically, yeah, yeah. I think part of it's just how chaotic they are. We've shown that they just get the ball forward, and I think a lot of those opportunities That's true. are probably That's where there's not there's less defenders yeah. there, so they early have a higher probability. Off a press. Yeah, they turn the ball over high, get an early cross into the guy making mm-hmm. the run. That Alex counts. Mule, man, Alex Mule, I love that kid. I love all those little Red Bulls kids. How, how can you not? Nah, I don't know. Um, so okay, now I'm gonna play before we close out the show. Before we close everything, um, I'm gonna ask you a question here, Harrison. What is your threshold for denying crossing? Like, if I could guarantee a not necessarily a shot, not necessarily a goal or, or a key pass, but just getting the ball to my teammate, if I could guarantee that thirty percent of the time, would you say it's okay to cross? I think that depends. Um, I, it could be lower. Thirty-five <laughs> percent. Well, no. So, uh, so here, here, here's what I'm gonna say, right? Like, it, okay, I'm not gonna try to like back out of it and be like, you know, there's a threshold. I'm sure that there's a threshold to where it makes sense, but I don't know if if I have like a specific numerical one in mind. Mm-hmm. I will say, I think that you have to be really protective of that counterattack, and I think anytime, and you pointed this out, right? Like, anytime you're gonna have three quarters of those crosses go astray, you open yourself up to bad things happening. And I think that so long as, you know, you have a plan and a diagram to, Hey, when this happens, this is how we react. I think that it's fine. I think that that's, that that's good. You just need to make sure you have your center, your defensive center midfielders know what they're doing, who they're picking up. How, if it's the right back, that's making that, cross in like we talked about for Alvis Powell is there is that defensive midfielder now covering that open space where that right mm-hmm. back would be mm-hmm. and if that's the case who's dropping back into the midfield to cover his open spot so there's pieces that have to that have to rotate that have yeah. to move and yeah, you have true. to consider that when you're crossing and I think that that's that those are the things that I as a like as a as a manager would probably look at right like not that I I desire know very much about tactics that's those are the things that come to mind and I think that that's where you have to start dis- discussing okay is this going to be something that we're going to do on a regular and you know if we're, are we going to do it more than 20 times a game I think you have if you're going to do it Portland's a, a really great example this past weekend. I think Portland had to change their, their game plan up and just say, look, there's not a lot of 
uh, options going forward right now. Yeah, we're not going to be able to jink our way through a lot of midfield with clever passes and, you know, the snow. Right. Blanco is not going to be able to just absolutely tear up teams on the counter. That's just he's probably not... never seen snow. That's what I say. He's seen snow. <laughs> he, he's been in MLS. I'm sure he's seen snow. He's seen snow. Before I say that. But I, I, th- I think at a certain point, you have to just say, all right, this probably isn't a great game plan for us. Let's throw it out. Uh, goals to get it to Valeri. Guys, get in the box. And this is like what we talked about late in games, right? You're not going to mm-hmm. have a lot of options. Teams are going to play a little bit more defensively. You're going to have to kind of just resign yourself to kind of quote-unquote want it more, right? There, there's yeah. probably some better things that you could do with more time. You could kind of get a little bit more creative with creating space to create those better shots. But it's when true. you have eight guys, seven guys in a box, you don't have a lot of um, a lot of room to spare with creating a shot from outside the box, right? You have to somehow get it inside, break down those seven players to find the space to even create a shot. Find the space, believe in yourself, by Kai Kamara. These are the successful keys to crossing. Oh, I mean, that's, that's what Colorado's <clears throat> doing. Exactly. <laughs> and they, they got a point with a man down. So I love maybe, it. maybe there's something there. We'll keep an eye on Colorado this year, uh, as we will each and every Major League Soccer team, as we do, as this is the American Soccer Analysis show that covers almost entirely Major League Soccer. Um, we're done. We're done with week one. Way to go, us. Uh, we will be back next week, uh, uh, you know, uh, to talk more about things like this. And so if that uh, is something that interests you and you thought this was fun, uh, wait till you see what we've got next as we start running out of things to talk about. Uh, go ahead and subscribe to us on that iTunes or Stitcher, or, uh, Spotify, Real Player, Winamp, Napster, whatever. Whatever you use to make podcasts work, just just do it. Click on it for us. Uh can rate and you know leave a review if you want to not if it's bad don't do it if it's a bad rating or a bad review there's no point in that that's just mean but if it's a good one definitely do it because it makes us you know look better and it makes us feel better about the time we spend on this um do you you think people share us out on limewire i hope so you have my permission (laughs) you have my permission uh i will metallica will not see you on our behalf um all right that's it we're done uh i want to uh thank as always, my co-host, my friend, uh, Harrison Crow. You can find him on Twitter at Harrison underscore Crow. You can find me on Twitter at a handle for Ian. Uh, thanks to our producer, the guy mixing this down, uh, uh, Casey McLean. You can find him on Twitter at Harrison. Do you know what his Twitter thing is? I always forget to write it down. Yeah, it's I like would. Don't, Casey... don't, don't look for him. He has bad jokes. It's fine. It's not even about soccer. It's about baseball. But he's really good at podcasting. He's a funny guy. does funny comedy shows. I think it's at the Casey McLean. Uh, you can find him there. Uh, please follow uh, American Soccer Analysis on Twitter. That is at Analysis Evolved. And visit the website www.americansocceranalysis.com. Uh, we got the whole raft of uh, team previews still up for you to take a look at if you want to see our hot takes before uh, we ever had to come clean for them. And uh, starting this week, we got a host of new articles popping up, our weekly features, which turn into bi features as the season goes on. But hey, check it out. Uh, I would appreciate that. As always, thank you so much for listening, and, uh, and we'll see you next week. Until then, enjoy the soccer. If you call me up in the middle of night, I'll be beside you Before you can turn on the light Cause I care about you I'm nowhere without you Girl, I'm here Don't you doubt it You can shout it I'm here with you